listening to the Success is Subjective podcast, and I'm your host, Joanna Lilly. As a reminder, if you've missed any past episodes, you can catch them on Apple Podcasts. My guest today is Herb Crimp. Okay, Herb, I'm so excited. First of all, it's been ages since I've actually seen you, but I'm really excited that you were willing to, to chat with me about your story. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for reaching out and asking me to, to be a part of it. I'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah. Okay. So I obviously know a little bit of your history only because we went to college together, but sure. why don't you tell the listeners, because nobody else knows you per se, at least from my like listenership, um, tell the listeners, where did you grow up and what were you hearing from your family as well as kind of the larger community or area in which you were raised about the importance of post-secondary education? Sure. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Virginia, in Southwest Virginia and, um, Growing up, I certainly was under the impression that I was expected to go to college right away. Um, my mom did not go to college. She never has. My dad did. He ended up getting his master's in teaching uh, and ended up joining the Navy and putting that teaching uh, career aside for 20 years. And he's kind of returned back to that. And so military and college were kind of like the two acceptable venues that I was presented with. Um, I thought that I was going into the military for sure. And as a senior, I kind of looked at some schools and my GPA and all that and realized that I could get into colleges if I wanted to go down that path and ended up applying to Radford University in in Virginia and and got in there. even though I had no clue what I wanted to study, I just knew that I was supposed to go to college. So I did. Uh, I studied economics for the first year just because I felt like I had to pick something. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Which is like the furthest from the work that you do right now. (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. (laughs) Uh, And then through some friends, namely Chris O'Dell, I was introduced to the outdoor rec community and discovered that there's actually a major called recreation parks and tourism and uh kind of got drawn into that world um so i ended up getting my undergrad in recreation parks and tourism with a focus on outdoor rec and outdoor management Uh, and then as i entered that world post-college i realized that uh that world doesn't really require uh, a degree in the outdoor world. And most of the people that I worked with did not have that background at all. And in fact, most, the majority of the folks I graduated with in the rec department immediately went into some other world that it uh, didn't really apply. Uh, nonetheless, I, I felt like it was valuable to, to go to college. And I, I did take a lot away from that. And, uh, for me, traveling, uh, working with young folks and, and all of that was kind of my, my main interest. So I gravitated down to northern Alabama, working with our friend in the rec world, Adam Gosshorn, uh, doing uh, outdoor education at Nature's Classroom. Um, but by then, I knew that I wanted to live in Utah. I had taken a few trips to southern Utah, um, mainly for rock climbing, Um, but I was also at the same time in those visits blown away with the amount of open space and public land. And so I got out there as soon as I could, 
and initially spent some time working for a wilderness therapy program called Second Nature. Um, so spent two years working with teenagers that were struggling, um, usually with chemical dependency and also <laughs> a ton of behavioral issues. And those two years gave me more education probably than uh, being at Radford and getting my undergrad. I, I learned an incredible amount. <laughs> and I was challenged in ways that I never thought I would be challenged. Um, so that was very formative for me. And from there, uh, continued to work for various outdoor programs around the country. Uh, Knowles, the National Outdoor Leadership School, mainly in Wyoming, but also Washington State. Um, and YMCA Camp Minogen up in northern Minnesota in the Boundary Waters. So all those varieties of experiences kind of led me eventually to guide canyoning and rock climbing trips for desert highlights down here in Moab, Utah. So I worked um, for that company for eight years and eventually had the opportunity to buy out the owner of the company, Matt Moore, who was a huge mentor of mine and kind of guided me into that process. Um, and that's what I'm still doing now. So I've owned the company for five years, along with my wife, Melissa, who helps me quite a bit. Couldn't do it without her. I feel like we got lucky. Most people that are in the guiding world don't get the opportunity to to buy out their owner. But I'm, I've been very fortunate in that. And, uh, you know, college has played a part in getting to that path. And it certainly, I'd like to think I would have gotten there either way, even if I hadn't gone to college. Well, I think it's one of those situations where, you know, I'm hearing you say like, look, I'm grateful, right? This is like the sorry, but not really sorry, Gary Nussbaum, you, you did great, but like <laughs> also it was the real life experiences that you needed, right? That employment at Second Nature um, yeah. and just traveling all over because you, li you lived and worked in different places doing very different jobs, but all, all in line with your career path. And this is all the while changing majors early on. Um, which at some point I do want to actually talk to you about your your starting and sparking of interest in rock climbing, but I'll, I'll circle back to that in a second. What yeah. I'm hearing you say is you're grateful, right? You had the college experience, you did it. It was kind of culturally what you just, it was accepted what you did and you're glad you did it, even though the path that you ended up um, navigating or landing on, you didn't necessarily need the college degree. Um, and you didn't you didn't find that out until you were there. Totally. Yeah. I went into college. I started school when I was 17, you know, after, as soon as I finished high school, just knowing that that was kind of what I was supposed to do. And I am thankful for it. It honestly probably kept me out of trouble. <laughs> um, <laughs> or maybe, maybe in trouble. <laughs> yeah. There's a little both there for sure. <laughs> Oh, no, that's awesome. Well, and it makes me think too, as you're talking about your your kind of employment path, um, like you said, it's pretty rare that people that actually land in the guiding kind of that guiding role end up getting the opportunity to own a company or buy out uh, their employer to take over a guiding service. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, actually, because that's a very different hat to wear, yeah. right? Because you're not sure. just talking about like, hey, I've, I'm taking somebody out and here, like, here's my my knowledge and experience of the risk management, the actual technical skills of the guiding itself. But now you're talking about marketing 
outreach, right? Like Absolutely. operating a business, paying employees, like all of that, the nuts and bolts of business that that you did not get from a Parks and Rec degree. And I can say that based on my own experience too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I agree. The, yeah, the management component of the Outdoor Rec program maybe touched around the edges of that a little bit. Um, but it was primarily through my experiences working at Desert Highlights and the mentorship of Matt that got me there. And, you know, part of it was luck that I was there at a time where he was getting burnt out and wanting to move on, you know, his new career now, he's a pilot. Uh, and so as he stepped incrementally away from Desert Highlights, he kind of brought me into the administrative side of the business. Um, so I was learning how to do things like file quarterly tax reports and uh, post-use reporting to the land managers that we deal with and all that. And he was showing me how to do these things uh, so that he could go pursue other things like flying. And so very grateful for that, very thankful for that and and kind of sensing that he was moving in that direction. You know, I did push uh, a bit to provide those opportunities for myself at the same time. <laughs> I would have done the same thing. Like, good for you yeah. because it teed you up to be where you are now. Yeah. So, and with that, now that you are a, a business owner and, you know, hearing you reflect on your like, you know, literally a, a 17 plus year kind of time period longer, right? Like 20 years. Um, why don't you... Well, I'm just going to ask you this question because I ask all my guests, you know, do you see yourself as successful? I do. Yeah. Uh, I have always seen myself as successful and, and I've defined it in different ways. Um, for me, being optimistic and having a good attitude and, um, you know, doing things that I want to do and following my own path to me is what success has always looked like. Um, not being successful would be doing things begrudgingly that someone else wanted me to do. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that my parents, uh, for the most part, gave me the freedom to pursue the things I want to do. So even in the decade that I was just kind of guiding and, and drifting in that world, I still felt like I was successful because I was following my passions and I was doing the things that I thought was important and that inspired me. So, yeah. And of course, now it's easy to measure now that I'm owning this business and, and running this company, uh, it's easier to look at in black and white terms of, yeah, I feel like I'm successful. Our business is growing and, and we're attracting more and more interest and all that. Yeah. As somebody who's been on the outside, kind of keeping tabs on the expansion of the services that you provide and just like the overall evolution, right. Of like what mm -hmm. guiding looks like and what people are wanting nowadays. I think you, you and Melissa have done a fantastic job of really making Moab and the opportunities that exist in, in the Moab area, uh, pretty exciting and enticing. Yeah. And you know, another part of that success, uh, the way I measure it is and being honest with myself about what my skills and abilities are and what my shortcomings are, you know, so having Melissa help uh, has been a huge part of that success. You know, I don't have uh, the ability to create a website. You know, I am not savvy with the ways of social media and, and things like this. And so recognizing that and being honest with myself about that and 
bringing other people on that are really good in those things has been a huge part of our success. Yeah, that's great to hear. I think that's also just speaks to probably your management style where you're leaning on people uh, for their strengths um, and and just building other people up. So I'm going to circle back really quick because uh, sure. we're going off script. Um, remind me, was you didn't actually rock climb when you were in high school. No. You, you like went rock climbing for the first time when you were in college. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there was the uh, indoor gym uh, at Radford back when I was at Peterson. And I kind of went there, dragged my roommate over there once or twice and immediately just kind of got consumed. You know, I, I grew up in high school in a very sports competitive environment, wrestling and cross country and track and all that, and was very burned out with wrestling and cutting weight but still needed this outlet and uh, climbing provided this very healthy outlet for me. Um, and it wasn't long before people like Emily, Albert and Chris started uh, dragging me out to the New River Gorge and other places. And I pretty quickly discovered that this new passion climbing could be a way to explore beautiful and wild areas and also to meet an incredible world of people that I wouldn't have been exposed to otherwise. And so, yeah, it was started there and it was nurtured there. And I was lucky to fall in with a good group of folks early on that kind of shadowed me through that. So the mentors in my life have been a huge part of my success and acknowledging that and, and being open to that process. Yeah. No, I wanted to I wanted to highlight that because I also think it speaks to the marrying of some of your biggest passions or interest points, which obviously were like they began in college, right? So we're talking about mm -hmm. your young adult years, like yeah, you know, growing up in southwestern Virginia, you know, we think back, rock climbing wasn't really a sport, at least not, you know, kind yeah. of for for young people. It was like the conventional sports, like you said, track, cross country, wrestling, etc. And now that's that's shifted, right? In 2021, young people have access to that. But I think it's really great to hear that you explored it you participated in it, but you let, let that carry on to the social networks, right? Like making, you're tapping into your overall like physical well-being or wellness because you're still focusing on that. It's allowing you to travel. Um, and it's also allowing you to, again, kind of, this is where I'm getting at. The point is the marrying of your, your personal interest with the business. Uh, so it almost makes it feel like when you show up mm -hmm. for work, it doesn't feel like work because you're still doing something that you totally love. Oh yeah. No, I, I enjoy it quite a bit. You know, every day we're introducing families and individuals to, to new activities, uh, you know, canyoneering and climbing are, are kind of just a, a venue to explore the natural world and to facilitate having these positive experiences and, and growth through being pushed into a comfort zone, you know, we can facilitate people being very uncomfortable and very nervous. And the outcome is still this, this positive thing. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so I'm not I'm done being off script. Sorry to, to, to <laughs> throw throw that wrench in there. I promise I'll, I'll stay back with uh, I'm getting back on course, right? Here's no, me getting back good. on course. <laughs> um, so if you could give some advice then to a young adult, uh, who you know, might be interested in the outdoor industry or maybe is kind of mm. questioning. I, I'm just using that as a specific example, or if you want to be more generic, you can, but somebody who's yeah. really just kind of at a crossroads in their young adult life, like what advice would you give them? 
yeah, you know, when, when we're in our young 20s, mid 20s and beyond, uh, it's a formative time. And so for me, two big things were being intentional uh, about the, the day-to-day choices that I was making um, and seeking mentorship, you know, especially in the climbing world, there's this steep learning curve. It's very easy to hurt yourself uh, in a serious way. And so accepting that and seeking out people that were experienced and could shepherd me through that process was a huge part of it. And it doesn't have to be in climbing. I think in, in anything we do in life, uh, being able to identify mentors and people that are invested in my own growth and experience is huge and vastly important. Um, you know, a friend of mine, Scott kind of had this uh, metaphor of canoeing in terms of heading towards a goal in his life. So up in the boundary waters in Minnesota, right, we have these canoes, we're crossing great big lakes. And so he likened that to his life, you know, down at the other side of the lake is that campsite that we're trying to get to. And that campsite represents a long-term goal. doesn't even have to be specifically defined, but we know we want to get there. And so we're canoeing to that lake. And along the way, maybe I diverge over here to check out this little inlet, or I come over here and stop for lunch. And even though I'm taking these diversions from that goal, I know in the end, I'm still generally heading towards that. And that's part of that intentionality piece and using the availability of mentors along the way to help facilitate reaching that goal. I've always thought that was a great metaphor. I'm like totally following the imagery as you're talking about it too. I can like picture it. Like that's, that is a beautiful metaphor. So maybe maybe I'll create like a little drawing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, and, you know, maybe that looks like uh, a young person moving out of their house and seeking a job, but then something happens and they're going back to their parents' house for a couple of years. That's fine. That's just a slight divergence from that goal, just because we have this minor setback or it makes it easier to accomplish some intermediary steps to get there you know being able to embrace that and uh and being and recognizing the intentionality of that being a way to get to that eventual goal yeah i love it okay so i i know you said your shortcomings were not related to social media or website design but i'm still going to ask you how people can connect with you because i think you know the shameless sure. the shameless plug sorry melissa's not in the room to be able to rattle off all the platforms that you're on but we'll we want to make sure that this information is in the show notes so people know how to connect with desert highlights whether they're in southern utah or whether they're choosing to go to southern utah for you know, a trip, a destination, um, you definitely want to check out Desert Highlights. So how can people actually connect with you? Yeah, uh, of course, we have our website, deserthighlights.com. And we're active on Facebook and Instagram. Um, So that's just at Desert Highlights uh, on Instagram, I think. (laughs) Uh, And a lot of people, (laughs) I don't really know. Uh, I'll, I'll pull it so it's in the show notes. Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, review websites are a big part of how people find it. So TripAdvisor, a lot of folks can uh, end up on that website to read reviews from other clients in the past and, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, at Utah, we're, we're blessed with five national parks down here. And so a lot of folks are coming 
from all over the country and even internationally. Well, not so much in the last year and a half, but uh, the national parks are a huge draw for folks. You know, they're beautiful. Where the state of Utah is probably 70% public land. There's so much to explore. And so Desert Highlight's role in that is facilitating some of that exploring in those beautiful natural places. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, we'll make sure we, we're driving traffic to you for folks, whether they're <laughs> national or international, we'll be reaching out, um, whether it's honestly to to book a trip with Desert Highlights or just to reach out to you. And thank you, Herb, for sharing your story. So thanks again for taking the time to to fill the listeners in on kind of your journey leading up to where you are now. And um, hopefully they'll connect with you. Yeah, sure. I'm happy to, to answer questions and chat with folks about my own personal path. That's it for this week's Success is Subjective episode. Stay tuned for our next episode where you can bet it'll be another amazing human sharing their very personal story with the world. You can follow me, Joanna, on Instagram at Lily Consulting and on Facebook at Lily Consulting LLC. Most importantly, though, check out the resources link on my website at lilyconsulting.com. And that's L-I-L-L-E-Y consulting.com. Or you can just search on Google for Lily Consulting. You can also download and subscribe to listen to the Success is Subjective interviews on any popular podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Make sure you check out the show notes where you'll find contact information, website details, links to articles, and all social media for our guest. Thank you, our listener, for tuning in. And remember, there is no single path through life. Success is what you make it.